Today is June 10th, and this is the third episode of Bossless. Today, I've been I've been thinking about sales. Um, I, I know I kind of kind of touched on it before. It's it's kind of one of those skills that I just think about all the time because it, at least for me, it encompasses everything. Um, either I mean, even if you're an introvert, even if you're work at home. You have to interact with people sometimes, and if you want them to do things for you, uh, you kind of have to be a salesman. Um, and uh, I, I kind of want to get into, like, uh, a lot of times there are, when we think of salesmen, we think of, you know, you think of the Wolf of Wall Street, you know, Joan Belfort, or uh, when I was uh, when I was growing up in Colorado, we had, uh, you know, the used car salesman type, you know, we had uh, Dylan Doug in Colorado, he was always on the TV selling you know cars and whatever and and there was a big mike not ford you know and, and you know all these and so those are kind of like our mentalities of where we think of you know salesmen um you know death of a salesman it kind of like made us think of salesmen as kind of sleazy and um you know they're always just trying to make the buck and they're not actually interested in taking care of you so they do exist uh, I don't want to really sugarcoat that. I, I think a lot of times when it comes to uh, people that espouse the the greatness of the free market and markets in general, is that they kind of don't let you know that you know there's there's predators out there. Um, the market works to me a lot like the jungle. Uh, you have predators everywhere, and if you don't keep your eye out for what's happening, you're you're gonna get eaten, right? And whether it's by you know a snake, a tiger. Um, um, so I guess we're in India or Asia at this point. Uh, so I don't know what other other animals are in, in there. Maybe a panther, something, you know. And uh, when you're, you know, so when you're when you're in sales or when you're buying, because that's the other that's the other flip side of it, right. So if you're not selling something, you're buying something, and that's why sales in general works. Um, it it kind of works. It's kind of one of those symbiotic things. Because uh, if I'm buying something, I want to buy it at the lowest price. If I'm not buying something, I have to convince the salesperson that I'm not going to buy it. Uh, and there's all these other, you know, methods of, of doing that. Uh, but in general, I, I kind of want to talk about um, the quality of the leads and your intensity as a salesperson. And basically, these two components make sales either really, really hard and impossible or really, really easy. Um, so uh, let, let's start with, so uh, my... I guess my first sales job that I ever did, um, I uh, it was for Coperg. It was like Colorado Public Interest Research Group. Uh, basically, it would go around doors try to raise money. You know, people that donate to the cause, and the goal was that you needed to raise like five hundred dollars a week, and then they would pay you four hundred dollars a week. And then now, once you start started getting more and more money, you would get more money from it. Uh, I wasn't very good, so I didn't last very long, and. Uh, and I think mainly, you know, I wasn't, they didn't train you or anything like that. And so it just kind of didn't work out too well. Uh, then then I got into a sales job where I was uh, selling real estate training, real estate investment. This was uh, just before the crash. Uh, everybody was into flipping. And it was, you know, it was the thing to do. So my company had like a, um, uh, a real estate training program where we would train people, you know, basically how to, you know, go to the auction sites, find distressed property. And it was as... Um, you know, so I started in sales and then I'd been there a while and, uh, they moved me into where I was a trainer 
And I kind of redid the training to teach people how to network because if you wanted, like there was a way to do real estate investment. That wasn't investment. It was really just like wasting time. You would just go on realtor.com and just pull up a house and then you look at what it was selling for. And then you would go to Zillow and Zillow's, you know, algorithms back then were terrible. I don't know how they're good now. I just, they were just always terrible when I was, you know, at it like 15 years ago. Uh, They just overvalued everything. And so, you know, we would, you know, so you could spend forever doing that. You could spend forever doing these houses. And, and that's kind of not really a good way to do it. I mean, it was a way to like work, right? And you could consistently work at it, but it wasn't getting you very far. It'd, It'd be better to like, you know, have a friend that worked at a bank, you know, and he would say, hey, this, you know, this person's going in, you know, they're having trouble making their payments. Maybe they could, you know, uh, you know, they would pass your business card along them because, you know, you were a good guy that, you know, would give them a fair price. Or, you know, you you got to drive around. And then if you see a house that's not being maintained, like the yard or anything like that, odds are that property is either a rental or it's somebody that the people have moved out. And so you got to go knock on the door and you got to, and then you got to try to do work to find it. So, you know, it was one of those things, but it was very, like, you could drive around all day and not find any good leads, right? So I always, you know, worked with, you know, just trying to get people to, you know, sell things or, you know, to sell themselves is like, hey, I, I can find houses and, you know, my company, we would also buy it if it was a good property. Uh, so, but before I went over there, you know, I was selling the package and, and the way we did it was, it was, it was kind of shady. So what we did is we had fronters and closers, and I was a fronter. And so I was the one that would make the phone call to talk to these people first. So these people, they would fill out a form. Hey, would you like to make 100000 200000 I, I can't remember what the emails were. And they would fill out their numbers, and then we would call them, and we would try to sell them on a fronter package. And so our training package cost like $5,000. And to talk to a closer to uh, they would have to buy the fronters package. Like they couldn't talk to the closers unless they spent the money. It was and it was like forty or fifty dollars. And so I, you know, you would get like maybe ten new leads a day, and then you would have this big stack of old leads of nobody, of people who didn't pick up, and you know, been there for months. And you would just have to make phone calls. And now at this place, we didn't have an automatic dialer, so you really had to pound, pound the phone. And I, I was pretty good at it. It was, it was okay. Uh, I was one of the better fronters. It was pretty consistent. I never, you know, like I always got my 10 fronts per week and most people couldn't do that. And that's how you like maintain your salary. Um, and, and then too, like my closing, my, my fronts were quality. Like you could sell the $50 package to people that weren't qualified. Mine were always qualified. If they didn't have any money, my closer wouldn't, he wouldn't take it just to like help me get my bonus, you know, type of thing. So all, all of my clients had to be qualified. So and, and that was that was difficult, right? You know, getting this is back in I don't know years ago. People felt really uncomfortable giving you the credit card over the phone. So you know, you could talk to ten, twenty people and maybe get one or two that would give you the credit card. Uh, and so well, we had a time where like there was uh, there was like a mistake in the lead generator. We'd gotten all these leads from it was people not looking for a real estate program. They were looking for some type of a mortuary service you know, like prepaying for their funeral. And so we're calling these leads and they're like, uh, this is like the third time person, somebody says they didn't fill out this form. And which most of the people, they, they usually said they finished it, filled it out and got nothing from that. So, you know, we had to get a refund from the, um, from the lead generator. 
and we didn't have we basically had to shut down that day because we didn't have any leads so it was real you know it was a real pain in the butt and then you know you'd get like uh like i mean the way it was the, the way it worked with new leads new leads were nice because when somebody filled it out it was fresh on their mind it was much easier so if you got if, if you got 10 new leads you should pretty much in every one there was at least one front in there all right and from mine there were like you know i'd get 10 a week 10 fronts a week and usually about two would close a week so uh sometimes more you know but you know some uh, one week i do 20 grand you know you know on the, on the closing side uh and so the idea was that you couldn't get 10 new leads until you got a front so you get a front you get 10 new leads you get a front you get 10 new leads and then once you call through them you you get them for a day then you got to give them back you got to give them to the pile right so you can't hold on to you can't hold on to callbacks uh so i did okay with that so you know i you know there was always varying you know i mean sometimes it was really easy and sometimes it wasn't uh then after that uh my buddy we were doing uh we were selling websites or specifically we were selling landing pages and our or splash pages whatever they call them now and so that's basically so when you go to say a what, what we focused on was uh carpet cleaners right so carpet cleaners you know hey i need a carpet cleaner you google it and then we would have a landing page that we would link in google and they would go there and then they could do the order then it would send them to their web page right so it would ask them for their email or call right now some type of thing so that way they could you know collect their information do a follow-up or anything like that and we were selling those for i don't know about three four hundred dollars something like that and so what i would do is all mine was i would just set up appointments and uh, my buddy, he was the one closing cause he's, you know, he's a better salesman than me. So you kind of want him doing the, the closing spot. He, I, you know, I pretty much filled him up and then we had to like stop cause we had to build the web pages and stuff like that. It was pretty fun. But those were, we just call people from the business directory. Right. So these are just, uh, just straight up cold calls. Right. And it was, uh, and it, it wasn't hard because most of the, as long as you, you know, the business holders, as long as they weren't busy, they would talk to you. They were interested in it cause they want to make more money and we, we weren't you know, asking for like 10 grand or 20 grand. So it's not, you know, super hard. So then uh, my next kind of route in sales, I was, uh, I was at a camera, I was at a camera store. The camera company had all these weird bonuses that were, uh, were, cause you know, they want to make sure they're selling everything. So y- you have a camera, right? You got memory cards, you got filters, you got cases, then you got frames when they print them out. Uh, we had this membership thing. Uh, there's the smile club you pay for a year. It was like, 20 bucks and uh, and they had all these different skews so they had all these different type of skew types uh and what you did is you got a bonus if you sold the most money on these skews and then you got the mo- then you got a bonus if you hit like all the different skews all the different types of skews right uh and so they had all these weird bonuses and stuff and then um they had all these other things too where like so it was a camera place and uh so you know somebody would buy a camera and then we would have you know all these lessons you know every every saturday we'd have you know hey this is how you use your your really nice camera because you know it's it it, you got to learn how to use it uh i mean like the aperture you know the you know the speed uh shutter speed you know all the all that fun stuff figuring out the lighting i mean it's just it's, it's super complicated and uh it's pretty easy with your iphone but if you're doing it manually and stuff like that it is brutal but you get beautiful pictures once you get good at it and i was noticing nobody ever came to the class nobody ever came to the class because i was going through like the bonus list and so like if you taught a certain class and they had 
10 people show up, you'd get a bonus. If you got 15, it was 10, 15, or 20, something like that. And I'm like, we sold enough cameras. Why weren't people showing up? So I, uh, I made a deal with the guy who was teaching all the classes that I would get half of the classes and we, I would split them with them, but I would fill up all of the classes. So every class would have a bonus because he was doing it, but there was like maybe one or two people there. So then what I would do is I would just get all the camera sales. Um, the, the man, you know, the head district manager guy, you know, sent them out to me. He's like, I just need the ones from here. And so I just call him, uh, just need the ones from, you know, my store. And I would just get up the phone and call him. It was like, hey, this is Bobby. I'm calling you. It was Mike's camera. I'm calling you from Mike's camera in Wheat Ridge. Uh, you bought this camera from us. It has, you had in it two free tickets to get a class. Is that something you want to do this Saturday? And, and like nine times out of 10, they, if, if they were free, they would say yes. Because they literally just spent like $1,000 on a camera, right? And they didn't have to spend any more money. That It would came with the camera. So this literally was the warmest lead I've ever had in my life. All right. And I would do this while I was on the clock because sometimes, you know, in the store, it's like empty at, you know, 10 a.m. I mean, it's just the way it was a lot of times. And we would uh, so I, I would call and I would fill it up. And then um, and then we always did these other cool things, too, where like uh, there was this uh, um, this this bird sanctuary, this hawk sanctuary. So they had a thing called Hawk Quest where for seventy five dollars. Uh, you know, you go there and you got to go there like at 5 a.m., but you're there with people that know how to, they'll release the birds so you can get some real cool shots, you know, birds of prey shots. And, uh, and it's only up to, it's only like 10 people that can go there. And so, uh, my store wasn't the big store. I would sell those out from the people that came to the classes with bought cameras from us. I just call them up and say, Hey, you said you were interested in, you know, doing, uh, the hot quest type stuff, right? Is that something you want to do? It's seventy five dollars. I can take your money over the phone, and I get five bucks for it, right? And so I was maximizing everything out of that because to me, I had done selling cold lead. You know, I had been I had done phone sales from cold leads, so it wasn't really hard at all to call people that literally they spent a thousand dollars on a camera, right? Uh, don't they want to take some really cool pictures of flowers and birds and stuff? So this was the easiest sales in the world. It, it really was. It, it, they just sold themselves. I had to get permission to be able to take credit cards over the phone. And I, I pissed off the main stores because, like, because uh, we, you know, I was a satellite store. We had four really big main stores. And then we had these satellite stores in these smaller areas. And I would fill up these classes. And then the main stores, they couldn't sell them to their people because they would do it when they did their um, – you know, when they did their, like, private lesson with them or when they were following up with their customer. Whereas I was just like, oh, Hot Quest is up, boom, 10 spots, they're gone in, like, two days. <laughs> and so, uh, but, you know, I mean, like, I'd make an extra 50 bucks. And it was just, I mean, that was just how I did. And then, okay, and that brings me back to, so what I've been doing uh, this, last, this last couple of weeks is so I'm, I'm active in the Libertarian Party. And in Arkansas, we're trying to get ballot access. And so with that, you have to get signatures of people that are registered voters. They need to fill out a form it's got their name their address where they live and the date you know and their birthday right and then it's going to go to the secretary of state and then they're going to make sure that this is a legit signature well a, a lot of the people in the return party they, they don't like doing that because they're kind of uh introverts and don't like selling or talking to people but for me this is like really really easy because it's i'm not asking for any money all they have to do is sign a form and it takes like the commitment their commitment is like 
less than two minutes unless they want to sit and talk to me, which I'd rather they didn't, uh, but sometimes they do. So now I, I kind of want to like bring this back to where I'm going with this. So when it comes to sales, there is there's kind of three components that I think about. One is the amount of effort that they need to put forth to do it. So like, and, and that could be just like, you know, money standpoint, are they going to have to spend $50, $10,000 or some number in between, or, or is it free? Right. And we all know, like most people learn that free never really is free. Uh, but you know, it's kind of one of those things. It's easier to get people to do things for cheaper than it is for extensive. Now there is, there's a little bit difference of that. Like sometimes like it's much easier to sell something for $5,000 and $10,000 than it is to sell something for like $50, right? Everybody understands $50. Nobody really, I mean, how many times have you ever walked around with $5,000 in your, you know, in your life? You may have in your bank account, right? But do you ever have like $5,000 in cash in your wallet? Very few people do that, right? Um, so, so we got that. So like the effort for them to go, you know, the steps to go into it. All right. The next one is how motivated the, the you know the buyer is right uh, there's a there's a book out there the one minute salesperson and they have a saying in there is nobody likes to be sold but everybody loves to buy and you especially love to buy if it's something you want so if we look at when i was selling you know the stuff to the camera people whether it be you know just coming to the free class that they already paid for or going to hot quest these were literally the easiest sales my life. these people were super motivated i just had to put it in front of them I didn't have to do anything. It was just, hey, Jim, you bought a camera. You said you wanted to do, you know, nature shots. We have this nature thing. Do you want to come? Fantastic. Oh, hey, do you know how to use your camera? Do you want to work with an expert? Great. Let's get that done. And it was the easiest calls, you know, because these people, I mean, they were, I mean, they were always like, with any phone call, right, when you call somebody like, uh, I don't recognize this number. Who is this, right? And so then you just, you get used to it by talking, you know, just the more you do it, the better you get at it. So think about that when you're when you're thinking about sales. Think about it from the standpoint is how how motivated would they the you know the buyer be at buying something, and how easy or difficult is it for them to buy? Think of where are the friction points, right? So that that's kind of like one component there. The next thing is you, the salesperson. It is so much easier to sell things that you care about. It really is. All right. For example, so with you know me getting signatures for the Libertarian Party, I am really passionate about liberty. All right. I really think that more choices will make it better for us. I, I know I have counterexamples or whatever, and we can debate that one of these days. But in general, I, I do think I think with what I want to accomplish in the community, that this is the best path, and so I really do believe it. So I come off as genuine because I am. All right. When I was selling the camera stuff, I didn't really care, right? But, but they were like they were like at a hundred, right? They were at a hundred, right? So I I just had to be at a one, just because one times a hundred is still a hundred, right? As long as I wasn't a zero, then the call never happened. And then, uh, and then like when I was selling, you know, when I was trying to sell the real estate thing, I I wasn't a good salesman. I was kind of a mediocre salesman, but I didn't really care about. It. I just wanted to make money. The uh, and the and the leads, you know, range from super cold uh, really hot right it's, it's just one of the things to think about that is like what what are you selling is it something the person you're buying you know cares about or needs and is it something that you care about and you want to invest your life into you think it's awesome zig ziglar has a bunch of books on these 
and he he told a story about uh you know a salesman that was selling like this cookware and it was like a $500 cookware or something like that and it was very uh it was really nice cookware but it was expensive right he had never the salesman hadn't bought it right so the idea of what Zig told him is, well, well, why haven't you bought this cookware? Haven't you used it? Hasn't your wife used it? Has it made her life better? And the guy was like, no, it was expensive, blah, blah, blah. And then Zig said, so here's what happens. Because you haven't bought it, you don't believe in it, right? So whenever you hear the excuses from you know the buyers that, no, nah, it's not really worth the money, it's not worth this, and then, but you know, you agree with them. You were like, yeah, I understand that because I, too, made that decision. And whereas once you got the cookware, you know, you saved money because you were more likely to cook, theoretically, right? Or this was this was back in the day when there really wasn't fast food or, you know, like it was like it is today. Uh, you know, you saved money because, you know, it was better cookware. So you, you wasted less food. And also, too, it was easier to clean. So your wife, um, not to be sexist, but it was usually the wife that was at home, your wife wouldn't spend all day cleaning a pan because it was really easy to clean. So it made her life better, you know, tangibly better. Uh, so, it, it, you know, so if you believe in it, it's much easier. I, I like that. There's that old joke. Because um, we all remember Fight Club. You know, the first rule about Fight Club is do not talk about Fight Club. Whereas CrossFit is, the first rule of CrossFit is you absolutely have to talk about CrossFit. I, I make that joke a lot, but I, I really don't think it's a bad thing. I, I do jujitsu. I love jujitsu. I recommend anybody that's looking for a good way to get in shape with an actual skill and then build camaraderie, jujitsu is where it's at. All right. You don't, you don't get the head, you don't get the head trauma from like boxing. Um, I mean, injuries can still happen, but most of the people at my gym, they get injured. They break their fingers more often, you know, holding mitts or punching punching bags than they do from jujitsu. So, you know, so it's it's one of those things where, like, I'm a, I'm a super fan of it. I've been doing it for six years. And, you know, I'm a purple belt, pretty mediocre purple belt. But still, six years, it's, you know, it's a, it's a big commitment, right? And I'm still going, right? I went to jujitsu. I went to a jujitsu class last night. Uh, got to roll with some you know, some fun people. So it's really easy for me to sell jujitsu to anyone because I love it. I'm so excited about it. I bring the emotion. I'm at the 100. So they really just got to be kind of at a one. Well, they got to be more than one, but let's be honest. But like, it's so much easier if somebody's on the fence, your extra energy and your passion is what's going to bring them over. I, I, I guess what I'm saying is when it comes to sales, don't don't think of it like the schlubby, you know, used car salesman trope that everybody likes to point around. Think about it more along the lines of, is this something I care about? And is this something the customer would care about? And then how easy is it for to get them started? Basically, you get those, you, you make it frictionless for them. You pick something that they want and that they, or that they care about. It's something that you care about. It's so easy. So easy. So easy. I, I mean, it's, 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 it's really easy. I'm, I'm just telling you, it's just, it just is. I think that's about it. All right, man. You guys have a great day. Bye.